Hello everyone, my name is Illumide. And my name is Christy. And welcome to the Big Empty Purse podcast. I was scrolling Instagram earlier today and some overzealous woke person was saying how age is a construct. And I was like, can you tell that to my knees? <laughs> <laughs> Christy, what have you been up to since the last episode? Uh, let's see. Oh, I found out one of my favorite bands, Royal Blood, is coming out with a new album next month. It's going to be called Typhoons. So Royal Blood is a rock band, but it's only two members. It's one guy who does the drums and one guy who plays a bass guitar and sings. So it has no like traditional electric guitar, but this guy who plays the bass is like so crazy. Like, I don't know what he does. I don't pretend to be talented enough, but <laughs> he somehow makes it sound like there's like a regular and a bass guitar playing at the same time. It's fascinating. I was first exposed to them in concert. I went to see Queens of the Stone Age and they opened for them. And I don't have the talent. Like these two random people who are like playing every instrument at once put on a really good show. I really like the band. They have two albums, which have both been a little more like traditional rock, sort of white stripe vibes, but their new album seems to be trending in like an electronica direction. And they have two singles and now I'm, I'm really waiting for this album because one of them I really like and the other one I am thoroughly unimpressed with. Their first single they released from this upcoming album is called Troubles Coming. It's really cool. It's like has some similarities to their old stuff but seems to be moving in a new direction, which is really interesting. And the other song is just, it's called Typhoons and it's just boring. It's just like, it's so flat. It's like you start the song and it's like, okay, maybe this could go somewhere. And it never goes anywhere. It's just like, mm. Wait, so you're not sure if- the... Yeah, so I'm so curious to see how the album's gonna be because I don't know which of those songs is representative of this album. I see. <laughs> ah. Well, I hope it's the, the better one. That is representative because you just never know. You never know. <laughs> so I'll report back next month, but their other two albums are excellent. They're called Royal Blood and How Did We Get So Dark. Highly recommend both of those. Um, I'll put one of those songs on our Spotify playlist. So reminder, we have a Spotify playlist, Big Empty Purse, all one word, um, with songs we like, songs we've talked about on the show, so be sure to check that out. So I'm also newly obsessed with this YouTube channel. Uh, it's this guy named Mike MGTV. His name is not MGTV, but his name is Mike and that's the name of the channel. So he's this uh, bisexual bartender. Hey, bye friends. One of my friends sent us these two videos, which were what your drink order means at a gay bar and what your drink order means at a straight bar, which were hilariously accurate. Yeah, I'm I'm actually I'm thinking about this in my head really fast like I, I I don't know what drink means what now yeah I didn't before I went into the videos and I was like I felt suddenly so called out I was like Ugh. or like I knew those people it was like vodka red bull you're doing drugs <laughs> that's no shade when I did drugs I also drank vodka red bulls <laughs> So those were my first two videos I saw of his, but he has had this YouTube channel for a while. He roasts all kinds of people. And some of my favorite videos were uh, Get Ready With Me featuring my depression 
and my dad guesses gay slang that I made up. Are you serious? That's hilarious. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's fantastic. I'm actually going to go watch oh this channel God. because my standard drink, it used to be a tequila sunrise, and then I transitioned into an amaretus hour because I enjoy fruity mm. drinks. I really do. <laughs> that tequila sunrise, I need you to put that maraschino cherry in there. I need you to put that umbrella on my <laughs> lemon drop martini. I need you to put the absolute rainbow <laughs> colors into my Mai Tai because <laughs> that's the kind of person I am. But I'll go watch that video and see where I fit into that, oh, that mess. <laughs> it's excellent. Yeah, because I, I am the person who drinks like straight whiskey. It happens without fail. My cousin, she and I will go out and I'll order my standard drinks and she will do what you do and order the whiskey. And when the bartender comes out, they give me her drink without fail, 100% yeah. of the time. And I always have to, yep. <laughs> I could just accept a drink from them and just switch with her. No, I will tell the bartender, excuse me, no, this is not my drink. This is her <laughs> drink, just so they know. <laughs> How dare you make that assumption? <laughs> just because I have a beard, I'm not the one drinking whiskey, <laughs> fuck. <laughs> what have I been up to? I have been trying and failing miserably at keeping up with the mess that is the royal family right now. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I have the mess. been watching Twitter go off and it's hilarious. It's hilarious. So like Oprah oh <laughs> Oprah's messy. All the messy things that have happened in history in terms of like the biggest scandals, Oprah will find a way to make it her business. <laughs> she will interview anybody <laughs> who's the biggest scandal. So Oprah sit, does a sit-down interview with Harry and Meghan, and I am dying. There's the meme where um, Meghan talks about how, oh, all her whole life she's been an activist, empowering women, talking about giving women the platform to use their voice, and all of a sudden, when she's caught in a bind, she's silent. And Oprah says, were you silent or were you silenced? And she did the hand too, the silence. <laughs> and that meme is everywhere. It's everywhere. <laughs> yeah, and I remember Megan was talking about there were conversations that were being had about when their son Archie was born, what would his skin color look like? And let me tell you, Twitter went off. Because Twitter was like, you guys are worried what that baby's gonna look like? And Twitter just categorized every single person in the royal family and what they look like they were like prince philip he looks like he's been dead for decades already <laughs> and there's a meme that says they have to take prince philip out every morning and thaw him in the microwave <laughs> i mean the man looks like he he might need a little bit of foundation or concealer because ooh, yeah they're like you guys need to stop worrying about what that kid looks like because some of you are and there are people who like just flat out were stating oh facts God. about the inbreeding in the royal family and they're worried about this baby having darker skin. So Richard Minards, who's a columnist, he went on Fox News and he was trying to defend the royal family, especially the queen, saying how because everybody now assumes that the entire royal family is racist, which honestly, if we have to be real, real, kind of, sort of, like... But we'll get to that in a second. Um, so Richard Minards, he, yeah. the columns, he went on Fox News. And of course, I say Fox News, so you know this is some bullshit too, let's start with. Yeah. And 
he said that we have to remember that for almost half of a century the queen has been the head of the commonwealth which is a collection of number of lands around the world from the colonial days these are his words he literally said from the colonial days and then he said the majority of the people who live in those lands are black or asian ergo the queen is not racist <laughs> <laughs> when I say, when I say, only a place like Fox News would somebody go and just say this kind of shit. And you know that this interview was oh not impromptu. God. It wasn't the case where they stopped him on the road and just asked them, hey, this interview was planned. He knew he was going to go to this interview and he knew they were going to ask him about this. And he thought about this answer, justified it in his own mind. And he said, I'm going to go on there and say this. This is a fine thing for me to say. Like, excuse me, that argument that white people make where they're like, oh, I can't be racist because my brother is married to a black woman or I can't be racist because yeah. I have a black friend. <laughs> this man took it a step further and said, the queen can't be racist because her slaves used to be black. Yeah. <laughs> her subjects are black, so she can't be racist. Seriously. I'm like, excuse you, do you not? <laughs> and he actually referenced the colonial times. Why people need to be stopped, honestly. Oh God, do they ever. He, in his own mind, has justified colonialism by thinking, you know, the way we acquired those lands weren't racist at all. You know, from the colonial days, we kind of got those lands. And then, of course, the queen subject, she can't be racist. She has. I was like, <laughs> colonialism, by definition, is racist. <laughs> like, <laughs> Some of my favorite colonies are black. <laughs> like, they just showed up in these places and they were like, wow, they're so accepting. Right. We should just let them rule us. Like, what? <sighs> <laughs> what? Well, yeah, I just this man really thought this was. How can you write satire anymore? You can't. Like it writes this man itself. really, genuinely, seriously went and said this. In my mind, I was thinking, go to hell, go directly to hell. Yeah. Do not pass go. Do not collect two hundred dollars. <laughs> go straight to hell. Like, excuse you, you're gonna sit here and say the queen is not racist because her colonies and her subject are black? Excuse you. And I don't, I don't, like, I'm not saying, I don't know the queen personally. I don't know if she's racist or not or anything like that. But there are several other arguments that could have been made to prove the point, if there is one, that the queen isn't racist. But for him to say this, I was like, okay. It didn't compute in his head. It just obviously didn't compute. So, yeah, oh the royal God. family, I'm sure they're, like, right now, whatever the firm or the institution that, like, keeps their... PR, they're probably going through it. They are running mm -hmm. Helter Skelter because everybody's making the case of, oh, you know, either abolish the monarchy or don't abolish the monarchy. And the argument for not abolishing the monarchy is because the monarchy in the UK brings in tourism dollars. So in terms of hmm. economic benefit, <laughs> it's nice to have it. But I was like, in this panoramic, yeah. one, and two, it's hard to justify from a standpoint of understanding how the monarchy began and what it did throughout the last millennia. They really just went through the world bulldozing fucking shit up. A lot of the problems in a lot of continents today is a direct result of colonialism. And we're like, oh yes. yeah, but you know, they bring in a few million dollars a year so let's leave them i'm not saying we should abolish them i'm not like i'm i'm not on either side of this case i'm just saying if they're going to stay it would be easiest if they just acknowledge the wrong that they've done apologize for it and refigure how they're going to move forward if they come out and they have a stance right. against racism and like they're going to actively 
put they apologize to the people that have been offended by the shit that they've done and they're going to actively do things to fix it by all means let us leave them as figureheads in fact let us keep continuing to give them that 60 million dollars a year that they get or 60 million whatever it is that they, <laughs> they actually get yearly yeah in terms of tax dollars that they just get to be royal yeah let them continue to have that because yeah their whole approach has just been like we're not yeah. though we're not you are like I <laughs> like I read like the royal family's racist like duh <laughs> is this surprising to anyone? Rock is hard, yeah. fire is hot. Like somebody was saying, how mm-hmm. Princess Diana is like in her grave clapping right now because <laughs> they put Princess Diana through it, and I don't think it was fair to Diana. So rest in peace, Diana. The second thing that I wanted to talk about is Stacy Dash. <laughs> Now, Stacey Dash is a problematic black woman. I think everybody at this point knows that. I don't even think it's necessary for me to say, but she is quite problematic. And she's currently on an apology tour. And in this apology tour, she is trying to fix her image so she can continue to get acting gigs because I think the gravy train for her has left the station. I don't know if people remember back in the day, Stacey Dash used to be like a commentator on Fox News and she was in direct opposition to pretty much everything that had to do with the Black Lives Matter movement. And at some point, she got suspended from her gig at Fox News being a commentator because she said Barack Obama doesn't give a shit about terrorism and i think that's verbatim then after she said that she went on air and said we need to get rid of bet and any black type thing like the bet awards like stuff like that and oh. i don't I, I i don't i don't claim to understand what her mindset was what she was trying to say but the fact is she just said it like that it's not the case where she was saying how, oh, we need mm-hmm. to be inclusive, like BET should include other races, not just black or stuff like that. I think she just said we need to abolish, get rid of BET. And I was like, okay, woman. <laughs> now, if nobody knows this, a lot of Stacey Dash's income came from pairing and shows in BET from like the early 2000s. Oh. So <laughs> I didn't know that. how do you, why would you shoot your own self in the foot? No. And I think the reason she did it is, I think she was trying... I'll put it this way. Black people enjoy the cultural richness of being black. A lot of pop culture is from black culture. But what black people actually, let me put it this way. What we don't love is the oppression that comes from being black. (laughs) We don't love it. Not a single one of us loves it. What a few black people (laughs) will do, especially those that feel as though they could pass as racially ambiguous, they will try to align themselves with like white culture. And they'll play into this respectability politics thing where they feel as though if they align themselves with white culture, then they'd be spared that oppression. But we know it doesn't work. We know it doesn't work. OJ came out back in the day and said, I'm not black, I'm OJ. And black people were like, okay. Raven Simone came out and did the same thing. She said, I'm not black, I'm Raven. It's because they're trying to escape the oppression of being black, but I'm like, you can't, (laughs) you're black. Don't, like, Mm -hmm. it's, it's what it is, but Stacey Dash also has done a similar thing because when the Charlottesville riots happened in 2017, which for those of you who don't remember, that was an alternative right neo-Nazi rally. It was called like, um, it was called the Unite the Right rally. And it was simply a white supremacist Mm. rally. And like the whole country was like, wow, why is this happening? And Donald Trump did not come out and say, oh, this is a terrible thing. What he said when he came out was, he said, oh, you know, there were fine people on both sides. There were fine people on both sides. 
what? And then Stacy Dash went on air and said, this girl is stupid. She said, oh yeah, I support that statement. You know, there were, there were fine people on both sides. A black woman saying that, essentially endorsing a white supremacy rally. And <laughs> all the black people were like, okay, we're canceling this woman. You can have her. And I think the reason yeah. she did that is because she probably wanted to align herself with that mindset because she felt as though maybe that would provide financial prospects or whatever reason. Essentially, she had something to gain from saying this. And now that Donald Trump is no longer president and she may not have as much to gain from it, she's trying to double back and be like, you know, I was an angry black conservative woman back then and I'm not that person anymore. And she was trying to say, um, I'm willing to give the current presidents a chance. And then she goes on to say she stopped being a Trump supporter when she saw the riots at the Capitol happen on January 6th. Boy, isn't that convenient? It's extremely convenient mm -hmm. to just be like, you know what? I supported Donald Trump when he supported the white supremacy rally. That was fine by me. You know, that same rally where white people drove truck through a crowd of, of black people and killed one of them, injured like 19 more. She was okay with that. She, that violence was fine. But the one that happened yeah. on the Capitol, she was like, whoa, 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 baby. Whoa, whoa, whoa. That's where I draw the line. Yeah, see, Stacey Dash, if you're listening to this, we need you to go ahead and stay canceled, baby. Just go ahead and stay canceled <laughs> because we're now forgiving yeah. you and whatever career that you thought you'd get back by doing this apology tour, we're not accepting your apology. Wherever you are, stay right there. Whatever you find there, that's on you, baby. That's on you. The third thing is I started watching this show called Generation on HBO Max. I am completely hooked. I remember seeing the promo for this a few months ago and I thought, this is a brilliant show. It's a high school show. It's like a coming of age young adult type show. But wow, it's rated two stars on IMDb. Am I the only person who likes this show? <laughs> <laughs> you don't want it to be a hot take? <laughs> Maybe this, this is going to have to be a hot take because I, I stand by what I said. Because I can always explain why I like it. Because it's, it's they, they show high school from the perspective of what it is now, not where we come from, where everybody in high school is trying to be woke so it's woke overboard like there's a girl that has ah. exactly and i'm like oh this is this is satirical to me this is comedy gold there's this girl who has two gay dads <laughs> so, spoiler alert if you guys haven't i'm talking about generation on hbo max anyway this girl who has two gay dads and she just spews all this homophobic nonsense and she goes how can i be bigoted i have two gay dads <laughs> so, like okay yeah. <laughs> Okay, um, yeah, and of course this girl who is in school and they give her a math problem and the math problem is, oh, if there are X amount of people in the class and this many of them are boys and this many are girls and six of them didn't show up because of what reason, how many proportion of whatever, and the girl is like piping up in class talking about, you know what, I don't like this question because this question doesn't think about uh, the non-binary people. Why is it only the boys and the girls? And then teacher was like, um, just do the homework. <laughs> but yeah, no, I'm hooked on this show. I'm, I'm sure it's trash and nobody else likes it, but I'm sticking to my guns on this one. It's entertaining to me, so I'm gonna <laughs> keep watching it. And that's that on that. Oh, speaking of uh, like high school coming of age, uh, I watched The Perks of Being a Wallflower, which we talked about last week when we were talking about high school. It was so good. <laughs> it was 
exactly as advertised. And all of the, like, Pittsburgh flashbacks and the tunnels and the bridges really okay. ugh, brought I, me back. I'm, I'm very <laughs> happy to hear that. There's, like, I, there's nothing I hate more than people hyping something that ends up being trash. And I hate to be the person who hypes something and then all of a sudden somebody comes back <laughs> and says, it actually was trash. So I'm glad you enjoyed it. I hope that was genuine. I like that movie a lot. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. <laughs> One day I'll come on here and be like, this movie you recommended, it was trash. <laughs> Look, and I won't be offended. You have terrible taste. I will not be offended. <laughs> so the topic we'll be discussing today is toxic masculinity. First of all, we might have to explain or define toxic masculinity. Toxic masculinity is a subset of violent, destructive, or oppressive behaviors that have traditionally been attributed or associated with manhood. For instance, men are taught to be aggressive, competitive, and strong at all costs. Now, not to say that only men are guilty of toxic masculinity, and not to say that all traditionally masculine behaviors are problematic, but it is important to consider the detrimental effect of perpetuating these behaviors, especially the damaging ones. So I think these toxic behaviors stem from the rigid dichotomy of constructed. I hate when I talk like this because obviously like this is all big words. I should have just put this in plain English, but like I think these toxic behaviors stem from the rigid dichotomy of constructed gender that pits behaviors that are traditionally associated with womanhood in direct opposition to manhood. Right. And this is like what I toxic masculinity is something I think of when men push back on feminists who are saying like, you know, destroy the patriarchy because like toxic masculinity is such a pillar of the patriarchy and it is so harmful to men and like such an obvious way they would benefit from dismantling this system. But it's, it's just so ingrained in the way men are socialized. It's, it's just, yeah. Oof. But also thank you for defining it. It's, I feel like it's something that a lot of people have experienced who don't know the word for it. So my 80-year-old father-in-law recently learned the phrase toxic masculinity, and it was like 50 light bulbs (laughs) went off. He was like, oh, I've been seeing this happen my entire life, and there's a word and a concept for it. So now he, like, every time he sees it, he tells all his friends, he's like, that was toxic masculinity. <laughs> I love it. I love this. He calls it out. I love it. It's great. I, and I think this is this is part of why a lot of the older folks don't they don't like that we define specific phenomenon because if we define it, we're able to identify it when we see it and we can do something about it. Like now that we know what toxic mm-hmm. masculinity is, we there's a title for it. There's a there's a place to put it, and there's a way to identify it. Yeah. So yeah. this is important. It's important that we need to be able to identify and define things. But what you were saying earlier about men should be in on destroying the patriarchy too. That is very strong, and I think that was you were talking about on last week's episode, the Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie's TED Talk. We should all be feminist. This is one of the points that she was making. Because, like, the whole movement of feminism is not just to benefit women, like, the way some toxic men think. It's, it benefits everybody. Mm-hmm. Every single person benefits. It's just, the whole point of feminism is not to favor women. It's just so we bring up 
and make sure it's balanced. We have to have equality for everybody. And I know the way she said it is the equality of the sexes, but they're not only two genders. Like, like there's a whole spectrum. But everybody should be a feminist mm-hmm. because it benefits all of us. The, the there are a lot of issues with the toxic masculinity. The the biggest issue is that masculinity is valued over femininity in many patriarchal societies. And those who subscribe to traditionally masculine behaviors see themselves as superior and entitled. You know, the whole entitled superior thing, men in patriarchal societies like that, they feel entitled and so superior. When something doesn't go their way, they have no idea how to regroup or handle it. It's just bizarre to me. There's also the second issue, which is men feel the need to defend the unhealthy idea of masculinity. And, you know, men are supposed to be rugged. They won't perform basic hygiene because it's considered feminine. I remember one time a guy made a rude comment about me having face wash and flushable wipes. I was oh. like, <laughs> these are hygiene products. Like, oh, oh. <laughs> it don't make no sense. Like, I know, <laughs> I know there are more like objectively harmful aspects of toxic masculinity, but this one Stupid. is so Stupid. gross. Why is hygiene feminine? Oh, the amount of gross men. I have encountered why, 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 why is this apartment? It drives me absolutely crazy. And I'm not anybody's mother. I can't come out and explain to people why this is unacceptable. I just have to avoid them because you should have been taught as a kid, like regardless of, because, you know, then I have to start roasting people's parents and saying how inadequate they are at parenting. But, you know, that's true. That's that's just what some of this boils down to some basic parenting. It really does. Yeah. But I think, I mean, if I blame the parents, then I have to blame the grandparents and I have to blame the great grandparents because that shit was passed down. It just was all the way down. And I I think it's, it's just terrible. At some point, we have to just take responsibility for ourselves. But I went on a date once and I was told I don't smell manly, meaning that I didn't smell musky. I was like, I saw I'm I'm sorry that I, I smell fresh. I I'm yeah. sorry that I actually enjoy You smell too I smell, good. Exactly. Like I, I just remember thinking to myself, I I take yeah. good care of my hygiene, I take care of myself and I'm like I'm not manly because of that. Okay, okay, we're done here. And the other time is um I was supposed to be going on a date. I arrived at the venue first. And my date arrived after me, opened the door, walked in, saw me, turned around and left. Didn't even interact with me. And later I got a text saying that I'm not masculine enough. (laughs) When I tell you, people are trash. (laughs) Complete fucking trash. Yeah, and it's so, like, toxic masculinity. It's funny how it's different but exactly the same in the gay community and the straight community like it manifests itself in like interesting different ways but like i think a lot of people don't like associate toxic masculinity just with straight men but it's not just with straight men there's an episode of uh where trixie and katya talk about this (laughs) for those of you who don't understand what i'm talking about look it up trixie and katya were talking about masculinity and trixie asked a very innocent question it might have been even naive and she said she she said do straight people feel the need to be aggressively masculine because she was thinking in her head it's actually really rampant in the queer community because the guys Mm. feel as though you know they'll hate on feminine quote-unquote guys and they feel like there's some emasculation going there 
Trixie was thinking, oh, with straight people, they don't even have the issue of the sexuality or the emasculation type thing. Like, th- there's no femme shaming there because there should there, there's no question about the sexuality there. They're straight, so why does it matter for them to go through all this? And Katja was like, oh, no, no, no. It's even worse for straight people because... <laughs> And Katja said it so well. I I probably won't be able to say it as well as she said it. She said, imagine for many, many centuries and millennia, this idea has been hammered, 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 hammered. And then relatively quickly, you start to see men in high heels and wigs and dresses and skirts, which not, I'm not saying like trans people or anything. That would, I'm just meaning like the freedom to wear whatever you want and be whoever you want to be despite regardless of the the gender you identify with or whatever and they feel personally attacked by it their position at being on top of the patriarchy yeah. is now under attack and they take that so personal so right. now they're even more toxic masculine than they ever have been and i was like wow mm-hmm. i can't imagine somebody just yep. living their lives like being happy their true selves and then you take personal offense to that. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Why? Yeah, it may. Yeah. So <laughs> I think in the straight community, yeah, they the masculine men are, are doing too much. Oh, man. I was reminded. Do you remember? I haven't heard anyone use this term in a long time. But do you remember in like the 2000s when people would use the term metrosexual? to be like a heterosexual man was like well-dressed or cared about grooming. Do you, I like had forgotten about that word until we were putting this episode. (laughs) remember that term because like we actually use that word a lot to describe European men, European men and Mm. men who are from Asian cultures because they just, they don't conform to the rugged appearance of American lifestyle. You know, though, you know, they'll wear mm-hmm. the skinny jeans, they'll wear the fitted suit, they'll have manicured fingernails, they'll have, you know, they, they just take good care of themselves. And we were like, right. they're metrosexual. No, they're, they could literally just be straight people who take care of themselves. Their sexuality has nothing to do with it. it. Yeah. It was such a bizarre term. It was like, in one way, like trying to say like, no, I'm comfortable with myself with the grooming, but also like... I'm not gay. I'm not like, <laughs> don't put me like, I, it was so, oof. A lot of this infuriates me sometimes. <laughs> we, I, I have to sometimes just, I have to give myself a pass to just not think about it because I just get really upset. Mm-hmm. Like, why does it yeah. matter? Why is, people will get their, their personal offense to things that don't concern them. They will lash out. I'm like, wait, slow down. It's. I remember like thinking, um, even the, the football players and the frat people when we went to college, I remember not feeling comfortable going around them. Not because I wasn't able to hold my own or I wasn't able, you know the, what I mean? It was just the amount of effort I would have to put into not fighting them for saying dumb shit was a lot. And mm-hmm. I just did not have the strength or energy. So I would just avoid them at all costs. Especially if they're, if they're one yeah. of them, I could, I could manage that. But if there were like five or six of them, oh no, mama, I have yes. to not be in that room. Oh my God. It's, yeah. No, 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 no. And toxic masculinity just gets so amplified. Like the more they feel empowered by being around other toxic men and those like microaggressions of like, oh, it was just a joke. Like, oh, I'm just making a comment because she's hot and can't I appreciate right. it? Like there, it just like builds up in all these little ways and it's, it, but it's, 
stifling. Some of it, I think, is also projecting because the insecurity of a quote-unquote masculine man is through the roof. They have to Mm -hmm. grapple with so many things that they are just not able to accept that they will do whatever they can to project. When salmon shorts were a big thing, I don't know if they still are. You know what I mean? When it was okay (laughs) for quote-unquote straight masculine people to wear salmon shorts, I want you to guess the population of men that wore it the most. The bros. The (laughs) frat boy bros. Yeah. (laughs) And I want you to understand what I'm trying to say here. Non-toxic masculine men have been wearing the pink and the salmon colored shorts, the colorful outfits. It was never an issue. Mm -hmm. But they never felt like they could wear it. So they would insult those who wore it. And then when it became okay to wear Mm -hmm. it, they went wholesale. Every single one of them were wearing that same thing as a uniform. Do you see the point that I'm making? They yeah. they can't grapple with the things that they themselves are not able to accept. So they'll project on somebody else. But if it becomes okay for them to be involved with it, then it's great. And on Halloween night, every single one of them would do drag. And he'd be like, uh, as a joke. <laughs> no, it's because this is the thing. For everybody, drag is fun. It's not something that you have to feel bad mm-hmm. about your masculinity to do but because they feel bad about that masculinity they will need an excuse to enjoy it so they can say oh but i'm still you know a manly Mm -hmm. man and stuff like that Mm -hmm. there are a few instances actually there are several instances where toxic masculinity is a problem cisgendered men are shamed for dating non-cisgendered feminine women for instance if a cisgendered man has feelings for a trans woman it becomes a problem because their family their friends their whatever whatever the small-minded people are like well you know then you know it's a trans person yeah yeah but First of all, I think eventually we'll move, and I truly believe this, I think the progression of gender identity and sexuality will get to the point where it wouldn't matter. Nothing will be important. Right now, it's important for us to label it so we can identify it, but hopefully very quickly we'll move to the point where coming out would be useless and having to explain. Yeah, yeah, that's what we're fighting. This is what we're fighting for. And having to define your gender and having to explain your attraction to another human being would be useless it would just be the case where oh i like this person i'm dating them everything else would not matter and i think that's that's hopefully where we're going with this but yeah no if if somebody comes out and says oh a, a cisgendered straight man says i'm attracted to a trans woman oh my god it's a problem like everybody's like whoa 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 mm-hmm. and yeah that that's one place where and can you imagine if yeah if that were the source of you know they they have a deep connection with somebody who just happens to be a trans woman and that connection is what brings them the most happiness perhaps in their whole life and because of what people might say or might think they don't pursue that their entire happiness goes out the window they're going to mm-hmm. live a miserable life just because of that. Mm-hmm. It breaks my heart for that cisgendered straight man. Yeah. It's just sad to see. The other instances where toxic masculinity is a problem is unnecessary aggression when egos are threatened or feelings are hurt. Which, to me, I'm like, really? Really? Aggression is the answer to that? How does that make any kind of sense? The third thing is men do not know how to process emotions, which is especially heartbreaking in gay dating. Can you imagine... For instance, straight dating, I'm not saying it's any better because I know it's rough. It's rough for everybody. I think women are more emotionally mature. And I'm not just saying that in terms of I'm not a woman. I don't know. But of the women that I have met, 
I have more friends that are women simply because they are more emotionally intelligent. Period. Yeah. And that's right. my experience, which is why I say women just are more emotionally mature. Now, if you put two men together, neither of which knows how to process their emotion, neither of which has even begun to scratch the surface of undoing their childhood trauma, and you want them to, to be, it doesn't work. This, this is the reason why it doesn't work. It does not work. And I just look at it and I'm like, wow, we are finished. We're finished. <laughs> this is the end. This Honestly, this is it. And I'm like, this is why I think therapy is very important. I think it's important for people who don't even have the mindset to begin to dig into their own trauma to try to uncover it. We need right. therapy. Every single one of us needs it. We need yes. to go over there and ask somebody, please, I need help uncovering my trauma so they can help us out because we are screwed. We're finished. I get, And I get so <laughs> upset about it because you meet somebody who's otherwise a functional person who they, they've been able to, through their trauma, construct a life that works, which I think is impressive. Like people with heavy trauma. Yeah being able to get up, go to work, pay their bills, get a life that's functioning, I think is a brilliant thing. But then it'll just wear its ugly head in like things that I'm like, you mm -hmm. need to fix that. Yeah, no, therapy is, oh, I mean, it's so critical for, especially like if you're not in a place to like have that self-awareness or if you've never explored that, which most people have not. And like, I've been to therapy a lot and I'm a lot more equipped to unpack things on my own now because part of what they do is like teach you tools to unpack things, to be aware of things when they happen, to like recognize what like is the source of reactions that you have. But it, it's it work. Hard. It's work. Even if you're doing it, whether you're doing it with a therapist or on your own, trying to like work through your trauma and understand your emotions does actually take work. Right. And the, like, I, I, I don't know. It's hard to even put myself in the headspace of, like, do they just really feel like everything is fine? Or do they, like, feel things come up and just have the privilege to ignore it and they ignore it and things will probably end up fine anyway? I, I just, I don't even quite get it. But I, and I don't, I don't get it either. But I don't think things ever end up fine. I just think they just kick the can down the road yeah. a little further. And mm. I think the yeah. people that mostly they interact with are perhaps people who also don't address that trauma. So it's all everybody right. just ignores it together and they'll just, you know, super. Mm -hmm. I, I don't believe that um, a lot of those people also, I think they lack the ability to form deep connections with people simply because mm. there's a lot of stuff that they haven't unpacked. They cannot break the surface of a properly, which I'm, this is part of me being self-aware. I'm very guilty of this. <laughs> I, for a reason, I know that, and not, be, and, and not because like I'm afraid of unpacking my own trauma. Or what, I'm, what I see as an issue is I know a lot of what my trauma is and I've done plenty of introspection to figure out why I am the way I am. <laughs> but somebody right. coming to me if they like me on the surface, you know, I'm able to be lively if I want to keep a conversation and that kind of stuff. But if I open up all the shit that I've unpacked in my in terms of my trauma, they can't take it. Honestly. And and that's and that's the reason why I'm like I can't open mm. past the first few layers yeah. because they haven't unpacked theirs either. And if I open up, they they will run as they should. 
if they haven't unpacked theirs, it would scare them. Right. And that's the point. <laughs> and that those people, they will end up yeah. always meeting the people who are also packed. And, you know, they'll just keep that surface level forever and ever and ever and ever. I remember when I moved to the United States, I learned that hugging is a really big thing here. People greet, well, before the panoramic, <laughs> people greet each other <laughs> by hugging. And I felt so uncomfortable when another guy or a man would hug me. And I had to really think about it, right? Like, this is part of, like, understanding your own trauma and trying to unpack it. In my culture, you don't, we don't hug. The ladies kneel mm. to greet. And the men do the whole, we prostrate. We, I don't know if you know what prostrating is. You pretty much double over on the floor. That's how we greet. Um, especially to your uh, elders. Yeah. yeah, to your elders, that's how you greet. You don't mm. hug them, stuff like that. And I used to be so uncomfortable when another man hugged me. Now, and, you know, the hugging is it's not, it's not a sexual thing. It's just um, it's a friendly hello. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't afraid of that. What I was afraid of is from the culture that I grew up in, I was always worried about, oh, what my family or what the people around me would think if they saw another man hugging me. And I was Mm -hmm. like, oh, I'm a... And then I had to realize, this is the dumbest thing for me to even think about. Like, it's just a hug. (laughs) And whatever everybody else thinks about what the hug... Why does it matter? So I, that I had to unpack real fast and be like, uh-uh, I can't be the person who's afraid to. And I see that with um, a lot of, so, and it's kind of like, now it's like kind of a knee-jerk thing. I see somebody who I consider my friend or I haven't seen in a long time, like before the panoramic or whatever. I'd go up and I would just say, hey, how are you? And I'd, or like, I'd give them a hug. Yeah, although on the flip side, it's like, as a woman, just anytime a man like comes physically near to me, it makes me nervous. Like, unless this is a man that I know very well and I trust, like, uh, I don't know, there's just been too many men who are like, oh, I'm just innocent, innocent total thing. And it's like, all of a sudden right. your hand is somewhere it shouldn't be. Or like, you're it's just amazing how they, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't even know what I'm trying to I say. I understand exactly but. what you're trying to say. <laughs> and I, I remember, I, I only hug people that like I know. But I understand what you're saying, which is why I always, if I haven't known that person as long or if I don't really know them that deeply, and I I, I don't know, I'm just like, hey, can I give you a hug? And if they say, yeah, we give a hug. And, but the thing is, I always, I, always, yeah. I always kind of am hesitant because even if you ask in that moment, they're not going to want to say no. Do you know what I mean? It's, yeah. And I always feel like, yeah. Am I railroading them? Or like, you know what I mean? But I I yeah. look, but now thank God there's a panoramic. I don't have to worry <laughs> about this. But no, I usually ask. And if somebody says no, no hard feelings, mama. That's okay. Yeah, no. And I I appreciate the asking. Like you're, you're definitely right that, you know, there's some people like you don't feel like you can say no. But def- I've definitely had people like, because I do that too. Like, can I give you a hug? And usually it's like they do a little joke and they're like, no, oh, I'm not a hugger. <laughs> Which is fine. That's actually like, a good way to play that out. But yeah, yeah, yeah. But just, I guess, I I like lost my train of words there because I think uh, an example of this, like in my life, is I had to. So I had a professor that I was a teaching assistant for in a lab, and every time this professor came to talk to me, he would like put his hand on my back, like my shoulder, my back, and just like keep it there. It was like 
minutes at a time. And like, you know, that's not like a sexual place, but it was just like, right. just, I didn't give me per- you permission to touch me. You're touching me for a very long time. And it, like, I thought it was a little weird. Like I thought he was just a touchy guy until I like mentioned it to a male lab mate of mine who was a teaching assistant for the same professor. And he went, I was like, isn't it weird how he always like touches your shoulder? And he was like, he doesn't do that to me. I just like, like I had been like, I didn't realize how much it was bothering me until that moment when I realized it was targeted and it was because I was a woman and he felt he had a right to touch me. Even if it was like not in a sexual way, it was probably what he perceived in a friendly way, but it really... Right. Yeah. That oh one my got God. To me. Yeah, that's. I. Ah, I'm so sorry. So I always, I always think to myself, mm-hmm. I, me being the big mouth that I am, my first instinct is, why are you touching me, son? <laughs> you know what I mean? Get your paws yeah. off me. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. My big mouth. I'll just, I'll just either I'd swatch your hands away or I'd, I'd just say it like that. But like some people mm-hmm. may not have that same mindset. And also, I have to be really plain and simple and say i'm not privileged in the sense of like generational wealth or stuff like that but at the very base i'm a man right that's one and two Mm -hmm. i have built this mindset in my head where i will make sure that my well-being is taken care of by me so i don't feel indebted to anybody so if somebody does something that Mm -hmm. i don't like you don't pay my bills. You don't feed me. Yeah. You do nothing for me. So I can come out and say, because I'm not afraid of what I'll lose by saying something to you. You know what I mean? My very bare minimum mm-hmm. standard of life is taken care of by me, not anybody else. Mm-hmm. So like, that's what I, I, I feel so confident in that, that if somebody does something I don't like, sing it to their fucking face. What's, what, what are you going to happen? Yeah. Are you going to say, oh, get, get out of my house? Yeah. Or are you going to say, uh, I'm not going to give you a right to work anymore? Or you're going to say, uh, I'm not going to pay your, your phone bill. You can't hold anything over me. So yeah. that is, I think, one of my privileges in life. So if somebody does something I don't like, like if they touch me anyhow, I'm going to say that shit to them. See what I mean? But some people don't. <laughs> yeah. they, they may not have that privilege. They're not a man. Or maybe, in fact, they do live in somebody's house. Or maybe, in fact, they are employed by somebody. And then they have to start playing this game of, oh, what would I lose if I have to say my real thoughts here? And yeah yeah but mm-hmm. oh wow yeah men are trash i'm sorry there's <laughs> men are fucking trash and i'm one and i agree with this like <laughs> i'm part of the garbage <laughs> this, this is just what it is and the, the other thing i was going to talk about is oh the effect of, to- of toxic masculinity a lot of guys that i know they cannot carry a conversation and it, it's it's a we say it and it's kind of a funny yeah. thing, but they can't carry a conversation. It's mostly one word answers and expressionless responses. But the mm-hmm. issue is, they're the ones who will always initiate the conversations, simply because you know they yeah. they enjoy talking to someone who is expressive, who you know they they enjoy the company, so they they'll always initiate, and then they'll expect you to carry the conversation. But I stopped entertaining that nonsense because. It's like performing to a brick wall. And I'm not a fucking therapist. Like, <laughs> I'm not out here to extract information from you. Or mm-hmm. If you don't match my energy in terms of the conversation that I'm going to give you, we're done. I don't want to have to debate, oh my God, you know, are they interested? Are they not interested in the conversation? Like, am I boring them? No, you initiated, which means you wanted to talk. And then you got here 
and you're mm-hmm. like it's kind of like sup hey how are you how's it going not much yeah what are you up to just watching tv oh is anything good on like what is on uh just some tv that's the end of the conversation <laughs> just what i'm saying like i will Bye. try like any number of ways to like get you to start talking oh but if if you don't like i'm volleying and you're just giving me nothing back yeah. i'm out <laughs> i'm out like i can talk to you about the weather about music yep. about movies about any if you don't give me something to work with yeah and i think it's a detriment to them because they may be interested mm-hmm. in having a pleasant conversation but they just they're, they're just so stuck in whatever not seeming because you know you, they can't show any emotion they can't show too much interest they they have to just sit in this box and i was like well that's on you you're choosing to continue that nonsense so go see a therapist maybe <laughs> but <Yeah. laughs> don't 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 waste my time with that yeah yeah you were saying that women are more emotionally mature i think so much of it is the just like having to deal with exactly that with men of like figuring out like dealing with their egos and navigating their emotions when they won't tell you what their emotions are but they're ex- they're clearly experiencing emotions <laughs> and they're right <laughs> those emotions are affecting you but that women are so socialized to just like Cater. it's my job to figure out what he wants and figure out what he's saying and figure out how to deal with that and match my emotions to his and what he needs and it's the gymnastics are amazing again this is my privilege as a man i don't have to do that gymnastics and i refuse to (laughs) honestly if i show up somewhere and somebody's not giving you like the i'm i'm out and when i feel like yeah i i do that now too yeah what i was thinking i think we're about to say the same thing when i was younger i would put more effort my mom too old those days have passed. Yep. <laughs> I. That's just it, and like if I meet somebody, mm-hmm. at the very like, people say you know first impressions are important. Maybe they are. Maybe they aren't. That's not the point of this. The point is, if I meet you the first time, and you give me nothing, that's the end. <laughs> we have nothing more to discuss. Like, because you know it could be you were having just a bad day that day or whatever it is. But, like, this is what I always say. You know, this is part of being self-aware. If something else is upsetting me, I have to understand what is upsetting me so that, like, I don't redirect my upset or my anger elsewhere. I need to know where my emotions lie and how I can... Because otherwise, if I move through life Mm -hmm. solely based off of not unpacking my emotions in real time, I will say this flat out. I would be (laughs) the meanest, most miserable son of a bitch there ever was because the <laughs> list of things that i have to be upset about yeah <laughs> of most people that i know i'll give myself top one yeah. <laughs> i have enough things to be upset about for the next five lifetimes yeah. honestly i wake up every morning and i have to remind yeah. myself you need to know where your emotions lie and you need to be able to interact with people independent of that are there any masculine behavioral reinforcements you noticed in terrible parenting growing up? <laughs> For most men, I think they grew up, especially if, if they're getting better in life, they probably grew up just accepting the norms of manhood. And when they got older, they started to unpack and realize, wow, some of this is actually not great. And then they got better. 
mm-hmm. as a kid, I was never the kid who that shit made sense to. From the jump, it mm. just never made sense to me. I just, I, I, it, like, I don't know how to explain it. It just, it never, it never clicked in my head that this is important or this makes sense. I was just like, what? You know, they'd say stuff like, men don't cry. And I, I, I would sit there like, can you explain what the re- like that doesn't make sense to me everybody gets sad everybody yeah. gets hurt everybody is going to cry why are men exempt from actually crying though that don't make no sense or they'll say men don't crust their legs this part yeah. don't make no kind of sense to me because like and i don't want to even say i understand it for women too because we can get into a rabbit hole of why that's also problematic <laughs> The reason why women, they made sure women cross their legs is, you know, when you wear a skirt, which, again, part of the patriarchy, why couldn't women just fucking wear trousers? But anyway, if you wore a skirt, <laughs> you could be objectified by your genitalia, which also is a problematic masculine thing. So women crossing their legs, yeah. <laughs> I understand why it was a thing, but it's also deeply problematic because a woman not crossing her legs wearing a skirt should not be anybody's concern unless a man is objectifying her, which is the problem. Yeah. So when they would say men don't cross their legs, I was like, I don't have the same problem. I'm wearing trousers. Yeah. Nobody can see under up my skirt because I'm not wearing a skirt. But why can't I cross my legs? It's because <laughs> femininity is pit exactly opposite of masculinity. So if it's something that a woman should do, a man must mm-hmm. not do it. It didn't make sense to me. It didn't. I would cross my legs just to piss my my parents off. Because I'm like, it makes no fucking difference. Like, why is this an issue? Yeah. Or they'd say, um, especially in terms of, like, um, creative arts, like ballet, dancing, and stuff like that. Men don't do that. First of all, I'm like, okay. And so, or even in terms of career prospects, the whole men Mm -hmm. shouldn't be nurses it's a big thing in my country. Yeah. Like, a man who is a nurse or a man mm. who does hair braiding and stuff like that, it's just, they're not supposed to do it. Yeah. But it makes no kind of sense. It it's... never made sense to me. No. <laughs> and this... Yeah. This thing where everybody... This, the limp wrists... See, <laughs> it was a big thing growing yes. up. Like, and But the thing is, you understand that kids... Kids have bad postures in general. Like, I think having good posture is something mm-hmm. you have to work actively at. And I, I kind of, I see the merit in having good posture. I do. It's important. Like, you can't walk around, like, with a with a bend in your back. Like, your back will just hurt. You can't walk around, like, you know, you have to carry yourself in a way that makes sense. And, like, nothing is going to hurt. And to me, good posture makes sense. But the whole Limpers thing was not because of good posture. It was because they just thought that was a feminine thing. And I was like, yeah, kids in general, like I said, just have bad postures. Kids yeah. sit weird. <laughs> their their hands are all over the place. They they you know they just because they don't right. think about it. It's just they don't know that they're gonna have back problems <laughs> at twenty eight. <laughs> <laughs> they don't. They don't. You know what I mean? And they, they just they just sit anyhow. Yeah. Their their wrists are all over the place. If you if you see say for instance, like a a three year old kid who happened to be born because maybe they're not old enough to actually identify with the gender of their own volition, they're born male. The way they mm-hmm. act 
you know, they'll they'll run around like they're not until they start to get really conditioned. If there's a Barbie to play with, they'll play with the Barbie because it doesn't matter. Like, you know what I mean? Right. Kids, they see a color. If they like the color, they like the color. If you know what I mean? A a, a three year old Mm -hmm. kid could for the first time see a peony or a rose and just be really fascinated by how vibrant the color is and they'll run to it and grab it and they can say men don't play don't get roses or men you know what i mean and then you just you start doing stuff like that the whole time yeah and i see crazy i will say this on the podcast on the air my parents are very guilty of this very guilty they and i think it's because it was passed down to them and what i really i'm not going to give them a pass on is even if it were passed down to you again it is everybody's job to do their own due diligence you in your life have to unpack all your own shit and i will say this unequivocally Mm -hmm. before anybody has children go to therapy go to therapy You need to unpack yes. all the shit that you learned. Otherwise, when you have that child, you will do the exact same thing. Yes. This oh should be a requirement. God. Yes. I a government like... requirement. <laughs> Please. <laughs> say it. Say it ten more times. <laughs> louder say it louder. Louder for the people in the back of the Louder for the people in the back. It amazes me how little responsibility people feel to not pass down problematic things to their children they like people just go into parenthood just like completely winging it it's like these these human beings are your responsibility like how can you not take that seriously enough to to take a take some time to think about how you were raised and how you're going to raise them it oh it oh my god i it Ah. (laughs) yeah no please go to therapy yeah and like growing up i was always i always found myself in a bind because it didn't make sense to me and something would be said and i just have to be like okay i'm not accepting that again this is my privilege as a man if my sister had said she wasn't accepting that (laughs) that would be the end of her you know what I mean? I could, I, I would literally <laughs> hear things and be like, okay, I'm not, I, that doesn't make sense to me. I'm, that's a no. And like, and yeah. I also remember when I, when I first moved to the, this is, um, especially with like, you know how people view deeper voices as masculine and stuff like that. But there are women who have deep voices too. But when I first moved to the United States, I made a concerted effort to, by the way, this is, we're going to have an episode about code switching, but you need to realize that this, uh, the, mm. the accent in which I speak to you is not my natural accent. When I pick up a book to read, the voice that I hear in my head is not the voice that I speak with. When I first moved to the United States, I understood that there was a whole lot of value in the way you sounded. If if you show up with an accent, people say you're difficult to understand, they ask you what, and they make fun of you for saying different things. So I just said to myself, I was going to make a concerted effort to learn the American accent. So I would listen intently to the way people mm. talked. I would try to figure out the inflection. I still make a mistake every now and then. I say the word the wrong way and I have to like ask. But, you know, it, it's a lifetime of learning. You have to. So I remember thinking when I first moved to the U.S. that the United, the U.S. accent, especially in California, where I lived then, was a nasal one. 
So I would do the thing where I would just push my voice into being nasal, basically squeeze my larynx. Mm. But the problem is when you do that, your voice gets pitchy. Do you see my point? Your voice gets Mm -hmm. pitchy and then you sound more feminine. My mother hated that. Hated it. And she she would say it as, oh, I hate it because, you know, you're just being fake and it's not your real accent. And then I realized, no, 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 no. She doesn't hate it for that purpose. She hates it because because now I still talk with an American accent, which is technically still very fake. But I have figured out how to relax my voice box to make it sound more natural. Mm. And she doesn't hate it so much now. So why did she hate it then? Because I sounded more feminine. And there are a lot of kids who are now like, you know, they go to college or whatever, and maybe the kids are just, they, they, they're go. I see it now. I see immigrants when they were first learning the United States accent, and I see it too. They push it into the nasal thing, and they just sound like valley girls, which there's nothing wrong with. A lot of white people sound like valley girls. It's perfectly fine. But it just <laughs> ends up being such a deal about how you sound. And I know people who, when you meet them for the first time, mm-hmm. especially gay guys, when they, when you meet them, they will artificially lower their voices. Now, my voice is not hmm. extremely deep, and it's not light. It's it's perfectly fine. It's run-of-the-mill voice. You can, But I try to make sure I, I'm eloquent and people can understand me, but it doesn't always work out. But the point is, the reason why they switch their voices up is because of this toxic masculinity shit. They don't want to sound too feminine. So they'll mm-hmm. like me for the first time and then lower their voices. Yeah. But when they get comfortable, then their voices get really sky high. <laughs> and I'm like, why are you even pretending? Why? What was the reason? I'm not saying, like, there are things that should be corrected. Oh if, if kids are not speaking eloquently and they are, I think it's important. But it shouldn't be because of the toxic masculinity thing. It should just be because, oh, you are not, people can't understand you. And you have to, like, spend five minutes saying what, what you could have said in one minute. So let's work on that. You made me remember when you were talking about, like, toddlers picking up toys it's kind of it's not kind of creepy it is creepy how aggressively people gender babies and toddlers like just they're so like (laughs) i understand that like it can be fun to have like baby clothes with some traditionally feminine elements that you like or like things like that like i i understand not being like very extremely strict about being gender neutral but people it's like they (laughs) they need to force it on this kid before they even understand what it is anything in the world it's wild to me wild to me (laughs) i do have a cousin who had a kid and she had gone during her um what do you call the prenatal months or whatever and she had tried to, um, mm-hmm. the, she went to the hospital to figure out the quote unquote gender of the baby. And they told her, oh, you're going to be having a girl. I think they might have just switched up samples or something because eventually when the baby popped out, mm-hmm. the baby quote unquote was a b- boy. And she had gone through yeah. all this shopping because she thought she was going to have a girl. She bought everything in the traditional (laughs) girl colors and you know what i was so happy about which she said i already spent all this money this baby's wearing this shit 
it made me so happy. Yes. She just said, she said, I already spent all this money. This baby won't know shit. This baby's wearing pink, 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 red, pink, yellow, pink, pink, pink. This baby's wearing pink. I was so happy. Yes. Because I mean, it was, it was, it was like a throwaway comment as if like, yo, no, we're going to be budget friendly around here. We're not spending money two ways. But the fact that in her head, it didn't even register that, oh no, she has to, she was just like, and so the baby's going to have to deal. The baby won't remember that I put him in pink unless I show pictures and that's okay too. You know what I mean? And I was so happy about that. I was like, okay, we're making progress here. And she didn't care what somebody else would say. You know, she was just like, yeah, "Yeah, we already spent this money. We already bought it. Baby going to wear pink. And I remember when that baby was born, I was like, unless the the mother's going to pass on all the traumatic things, it's like this may be one thing that that baby doesn't have to worry about. It made me really happy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, but, but I think that was just, I think a fortuitous thing because if she had been given the right test result, she would have also just bought the boy stuff. And then, but I think hopefully it would have still been fine. I don't know, but yeah. Yeah. But no, so many parents would have gone out and dropped hundreds of dollars because the baby is a boy and it has to have the boy, boy thing. <laughs> like who is it who is it hurting what are you what are you what is what do you think you're fixing here i have to explain to people like until the 1930s 1940s pink was actually a boy's color it was the reverse teal and yeah, blue was for true. women and pink was for boys, which is what I mean. Colors don't matter. <laughs> it's a stupid thing. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it gets me so upset. So and like, yeah. I, I've, I've gotten in trouble for like doing a lot of stuff in my life, like wearing pink. Have you ever experienced any aggressive masculine behavior? Because when I tell you, I hate, 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 hate going to the barbershop. You will not find another mm-hmm. place that has a more toxic masculine vibe than a barbershop. Mm. It is so strong. And I, I've been cutting my own hair, my own everything for like going on 13 years now. Because first of all, th- they would press the the clipper thing directly into your skin. They, they like, you'd get like these cuts on your skin because you know, they're aggressive with it. And I'm not patient either. So, and you get bumps and it, and I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to start cutting my own hair. And I think I've gotten better at it over the years. But the first times I tried cutting my own hair, mama was rough. It was rough. But I was like, I'm not going back to a barbershop ever again. I can't stand this. I, I can't sit there while people... Mm. They will say some dumb, stupid shit and everybody else will hum in unison. And I was like, I can't handle this. I can't go mm. back there. So I, I hated going to the barbershop. So I just stopped going for that reason. And I remember as a kid, mm. the guys would change the lyrics of a song if they're singing along so if the song was if the song was like a woman's song or she was talking about a he they'd sing it and then change it to a she and i was like all right okay we know you didn't write the song and we know this song is not from your perspective they are just <laughs> lyrics on a page so i made a concerted effort so i will sing exactly the way the song was written if the song sang about a he i'm singing a he yes if the song about a she i'm singing a she that I just decided that it was a stupid thing to have to like. But you're just singing a song. Yeah, doing the acrobatics. Just, it's it's just a song. Yeah, that I thought was like, wow, that behavior is mental. Um, and it wasn't because they, you know, like, 
the reason why they were doing it is what was mental about it, not the fact that they did it. The guys who are deathly afraid of getting a fruity drink. Actually, you know the thing is, frozen yogurt. When we used to go to frozen yogurt, I remember when we go to Razzy Fresh, some of the guys I'd go to Razzy Fresh <laughs> with, they would avoid cherry and strawberry flavored because of the color. Oh, and my like God. it was it was just like a really stupid throwaway thing. Like nobody really and I I would sit yeah. there like, Are you serious right now? It's a flavor. Like God. it's it's frozen yogurt. You can eat raspberry, <laughs> strawberry and cher- you and most men think it's cool oh. to drive recklessly. This doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. It's not more masculine. Can you explain how the No. <laughs> Why? It's also terrifying <laughs> if we've ever been in a car with some dude who, like, suddenly decides he needs to prove his masculinity. Right. <sighs> exactly. And the thing is, terrifying. and I will say this, though. People tell me that I drive kind of fast. And, like, <laughs> and I probably do, honestly. Maybe this is a trauma that I must unpack. But that's, it's not because I'm, I'm worried about my manhood or anything. I'm just impatient, one. Yeah. And two... Yeah, <laughs> I think that there's a difference between driving recklessly is different. I won't be out here weaving through traffic for the sake of weaving through traffic, right? I believe in this. I think yeah, and I I think this is true. I could be wrong, but most accidents are collision. Like that's exactly what what a motor accident is mm-hmm. a collision. Because if if you didn't hit anything, there there may not be an accident. Collisions only happen because cars bump into each other. If I see a clean, straight path to get out of a cluster of cars that are all moving at similar speeds and can hit each other, Christy, I'm taking that shot. I am taking that. So if I'm on a free highway (laughs) and there's no car ahead of me, but there are a pack of cars that are dancing around each other, in my mind, this is where the accident is going to happen. Right here. So the moment I find a clean shot to get out of there, I'm taking it. It has never failed me once. Every time, and I'm, I'm, I'm one yeah. of those people where I'm a really vigilant driver. I can tell you what's happening in the mm-hmm. 15 cars around me. I know exactly what each one is doing. And I can see if a car is about to veer into my lane. Like, they look like they're trying to get in here. They're not using their signal. Either I speed up to get out of the way or I slow way down so they can get in the lane. I'm not just oblivious trying to drive recklessly. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? But there are people who are just right. the thrill of just rum rum. I'm like, that does not make you any more masculine. You are just prone to getting in an accident, especially if you're not a very thoughtful, considerate driver where you know what's happening around you and you're just whipping around. Yeah, no, you're going to get hit. You're going to hit someone. So Yeah, not going to lie. Your driving is a a little bit scary, but part of it was because you drove that skateboard car for so long. (laughs) (laughs) But I never felt like you were on some weird, like testosterone field like no. like driving rage like you just <laughs> it was all very logical you were just you were not taking a second longer than it required no i'm not <laughs> yeah my cousin hates my driving every time i i like just get in my car she's like okay now like take it slow take it easy and i was like knock on wood i've never hit anybody i've never been in an accident like it won't be today but you need to understand I see a clean shot to get out of a potentially dangerous situation. I'm not thinking twice about it. I'm taking that shot. I, I got to get out of there. Yeah, Honestly. I, we've sort of addressed this before, but they're just, they get so competitive. 
And it doesn't even matter, like, how high or low stakes it is. Like, they're so competitive and want to prove that they know more about something or they're better at something. Yeah. I once watched this guy... <laughs> it's just comical sometimes. He, like, one man was talking about making homemade biscuits... And for some reason, he was, like, needed to assert that he knew more about making homemade biscuits. And was just like, no, 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 you can't do that. See, and I found out that it was, like, it it's was so such a funny juxtaposition. No. Because it was something, like, it was something, like, feminine, feminine like, cooking. But he was, like, <laughs> getting so aggressive about it. He was getting so aggressive about his knowledge uh, of these biscuits. Not for biscuits. I... Uh... <laughs> It doesn't make any sense, honestly. <laughs> Daring each other to do stupid things. It's like... The, like driving recklessly. Just, But just all manner of stupid things. Yeah. The hold my beer. Hold my beer. I, yeah. I'm like, okay, it's, it's not that. Y'all can just simmer down. You, you don't have to outdo each other. It's not that serious. The, like, working out to a ridiculous, ridiculous extreme. The, like, do you even lift bro <laughs> culture. <laughs> this part kills me because like why does it matter like what and mansplaining one of my favorites i mean i've experienced a lot of mansplaining in my life but my favorite was i was in graduate school and i was performing an experiment it was my experiment on my graduate work i was very capable um another researcher who's a man walked by and he like used this equipment i was using a lot and i was like hey just to double check i was like is this set up correctly just double checking i was like 95 percent sure but i was like while you're here do you mind checking it yeah. <laughs> yes or no this man took my experiment out of my hands physically took the things i was doing out of my hands and then started trying to do it he didn't know what i was trying to do he was trying to explain it to me i was like bud you've just you've just come in here and fucked all this stuff up like just please go. please go <laughs> I... and so then i returned to my lab to complain about this guy trying to mansplain my own experiment to me and one of my male lab mates starts mansplaining about how that what he did was not actually mansplaining <laughs> it's like this isn't happening to me right now this can't be happening men are trash oh. trash i can't believe that <sighs> and they're just not self-aware enough to realize how hilarious I can't. I cannot. Not being mansplained to about something not being mansplaining. Not. But then, yeah, not not helping with basic, basic things in the homes that they live in and inhabit and are technically responsible for, like cleaning or cooking. I can't. Because those are things for women. Right. The thing is, I hate doing these things, but they are just necessities. And since there's nobody else I can rely on right. to do them, I just do them. But me hating to do these things, it's just because I don't enjoy doing them. If there were a right. woman around and she also hated doing them, that'd be that on that. It wouldn't be her sole responsibility right. because she's a woman. That makes... So on a lighter note, I know you've seen these products that are aggressively marketed for men. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> Some of my favorite are uh, mandals, which are candles for <laughs> men, which come in scents like 
the carnivore, dirt bag, and grease monkey. God, these are unnecessary. <laughs> so, why? They are so unnecessary. Just let yourself have nice things. Why? Roga, which is yoga for men. I can't believe this. First of all, I've been to Broga classes. And they're always just 90% women who just wanted a more intense yoga class than a traditional yoga class. And then it's like the same man who's in the regular yoga class. But for some reason, somebody decided that the concept of broga would make money. Right. And I'm sure it does because of this toxic masculinity. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. It's so weird. (laughs) I also found one the other day and I'm unclear which, which this is referring to, but I saw pet shampoo for him i'm sorry i don't know if this is for a male pet men bathing their pets or for a male pet both are stupid i'm not sure which is worse (laughs) (laughs) it wasn't clear it just said pet shampoo for him oh my god i cannot believe and these marketing campaigns i'm sure they work the the chapstick you know um they'll make chapstick specifically for men Meanwhile, the chapstick that they make for men are, in my opinion, just the regular EOS chapstick that's cherry. Like, it's really good. Just use that. But I like, but if you pull out the Mm -hmm. stick one and it's like that cherry red or pink, whatever it is, you have no idea how uncomfortable Mm -hmm. it makes people feel when I pull that out to use it. They are so uncomfortable. (laughs) I'm like, why? It's chapstick. Even if it weren't chapstick, even if it were a deep red lipstick. Even if, why does it matter? Like, it just makes them so uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. I've also seen the marketing for cars like the Ford, the Jeep Wrangler, where it's like tough, masculine, rugged. And I'm like, all right, all right. It's a machine. It's a car. We don't need to aggressively market this like this. It's not necessary. Um, oh also, God. the whole Old Spice marketing team until recently leaned heavily heavily into the masculinity thing it was well i was like i think now they're starting to like get really because they're they're always like kind of funny Mm -hmm. but they were very strong on the masculinity thing and i was like okay we don't need to be this masculine about i don't know marketing hygiene products um we also have the war have you seen this one this one really pisses me off it's called war paint and it is makeup for men have you seen this no Oh. oh My God! No, I haven't seen this. This one war paint kills me. It's called war paint. It's basically toner, foundation, and concealer for men. They also make moisturizers too. uh, I'm like, it's foundation and concealer, mama. Foundation and concealer, and this is skin. You're a human being with skin. Like, why? Why is that a hard thing to admit? Thank you. Why is that threatening you. to you? It doesn't. It makes no sense to me. I'm like, well, how insecure do you have to be about your manhood for them to specifically market concealer and foundation to you as war paint? Just go to Sephora and get the Mac. Get the um, NYC. Get 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 the regular makeup. Nobody cares. Maybelline. <laughs> He's not born with it. Um, no. <laughs> They're also, have you read, like, the, the products that they market mm-hmm. for, like, hair removal products for men, like the Gillette, 
the the shavers and stuff i'm like okay we don't need to go too hard about this like they have to like specifically distinctively say that oh this gillette razor is not for women's legs this is for a man it's all a razor all it's yeah like it does why do you have to go out of your or the hair removal products like you know the nair they make the nair for men mm-hmm. and i'm like okay stop oh, like of course it's just hair removal so um we don't have to be this <laughs> there's also the the beard pencil which this one kills me every single time they made a makeup product for men called the beard pencil it's basically mascara, Christy. It's it's oh. just the mascara or eyebrow pencil. Like, it's the same exact thing. But for them to now yeah. call it a beard pencil, I'm like, all right, just go buy the mascara or the bra pencil. It's not that serious. It's crazy oh to me. But anyway, so this is what I wanted. So fragrances, for instance, I've said this before. We're going to have an episode about fragrances. I love fragrances. And I just, if I like a scent... I don't care if it's marketed for men or women, but in terms of things that are marketed, fragrance is one of those things where it's 100% marketing, 100%, because a scent is a scent is a scent is a mm-hmm. scent. doesn't matter, like, if you like it, it has not, it's independent of the gender you identify with, which is why I think it's clever when fragrances yeah. and fragrance companies, they will market, they will flip it on you. So say, for instance, um, Dior can market the Dior Homme Intense and market it to men because it has iris in it. And iris is that, like, makeup powdery smell. You know, like, if, if you open, like, a new mm. stick of lipstick, that powdery smell, if you open, like, a, a powder foundation, that, like, smell, that's what our iris smells like. Mm-hmm. And they market a fragrance that's based on that for men. I think it's brilliant. Or I talked about this before. When Moschino did um, the boy toy, that's a rose fragrance, but they marketed mm-hmm. it to men. I love when fragrances do that because they understand that what they're marketing is a scent. The gender thing doesn't matter. And some are actually right. really smart about it. They'll do gender neutral fragrances that they're, they're going to market to everybody. And I remember like, um, I have this Carolina Herrera. You've seen this fragrance. It's made, the bottle looks like a high heel shoe. It, no. It's literally, the <laughs> bottle is made like a high heel. And that fragrance has like notes of coffee. It's very rich. Well, some people agree that it's not rich enough, mm. but um, it's a really good fragrance. And I love it. Even if I don't mix it with anything else, I will wear it by itself, and I love this fragrance. And when my sister saw that bottle, she's like, why do you have that? I was like, why not? It's a fragrance. Or if I'll go buy, like, vanilla fragrances, and my mom will see that. One time she saw that I had Dolce & Gabbana Light Blue for women, and she's like, why do you have that? And she wasn't worried about, like, this is the thing that bothers me, right? She was worried about if somebody comes over and sees that fragrance, what would they think of me? And I'm like, like whoever comes in and has that mindset, they have some audacity. And I'd just be like, leave. Like, But yeah. her concern was like, yeah, what would they yeah. think? It's like, yeah, it wouldn't matter whatever they did think. First of all, most of the time who I'm inviting to come to my space, they know what this is. Like, they're not gonna be surprised. Yeah. <laughs> Aggressively masculine language, where people say bro, dude, man. See, I've made a point to just say, like, stop. I will correct them. Unless you use the bro dude man creatively mm. or ironically, don't call me bro. Just to appease your need to seem masculine yeah. when relating to me. If that's the case, I'll just call them sis and watch them get extremely <laughs> agitated. 
extremely agitated because their ego can't handle it. Like, don't oh don't call God. me, bro. It's 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 not why. Yeah, <laughs> sis. But yeah, honestly, like so many insults to like for someone so entrenched in toxic masculinity, being compared to a woman is insulting. Like it's straight up insulting. Right. Like so many insults are around. You throw like a girl, you're a pussy. Literally, like <laughs> femininity is an insult. Just directly. Hmm. Sis. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which is why, look, I don't yeah. If somebody tries that, I'm like, sis. Yeah, and just you just watch them get really <laughs> mad. Like, they, it really hurts them. I'm like, yeah, so you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> this extremely masculine thing, yep. you don't have to start a conversation by saying, bro. Either you use my name, or you don't even have to. If you're already addressing me directly, and I've acknowledged that I'm the one you're addressing, just jump straight into the topic. Don't do this bullshit where you call me bro, man. No, just go ahead and. Talk. I don't even know if Betty White actually said this. This might be I've one of those things that just gets passed around on Facebook. Yes, did she actually say this? Video I love that. It's <laughs> it makes me laugh every time. She said, "Why do people say grow some balls? Balls are weak and sensitive. If you really want to get tough, grow a vagina. Those things take a pounding." <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Betty White for being a true feminist icon. She gets it. She gets it. Just a big part of toxic masculinity is objectifying and specifically like sexually objectifying women. And I don't have any direct experience with it, but I am certain that gay men do it to other gay men. Would be shocked if you told me otherwise. No. Uh, but like catcalling, I don't know what people expect to get with catcalling. It's, it's either been like just weird or like... Or scary. Like, I've had some where I'm like, okay, I'm actually a little scared. But most of the time, it's just like, this was weird. Why? What possessed I you? I think they, they, I don't know if it's, you know how people say, you know, you flatter someone and they think that's <laughs> flattering and they'll, what they'll get in return from flattering the lady is attention. But no, it's just rude and creepy. It's not flattering. So all of this need to like comment on people's bodies and women, it's this weird, like, double standard of they'll, like, shame women for the way they look, especially if they don't look traditionally, like, feminine and sexy. But then they also, like, have a lot of insults for women who aren't sexy or who enjoy or seek out sex. But then they still have this, like, entitlement about, like, feeling like they should be able to have sex all the time. And, the, the, like, the logic is not there. It's the not, logic is just not there. Up. Yeah, you know, a man can be promiscuous, but a woman can't. And if that's the case, and this is the retort that gay people come out with, like if you are this steeped in your toxic masculinity and you feel as though women can't be promiscuous but men can, then by definition you want to be promiscuous along with the men. You're gay. Yeah. Like <laughs> this is the equation. You're, this is where your logic has led you. Yeah, this is where yeah. you ended up. Right, and I'm just like, okay, we need to just simmer down. It's not that serious. Really, it's not. Yeah, so we were talking about this earlier, about how you have to you have to really, like, be men's emotional manager, um, which, again, shout out to sociologists who give us terms for these things, which is called emotional labor, which I taught my mom this word the other day, and she was so hype. Right. When I tell you, she was like, oh. Are you telling me this is a this is a thing? Absolutely. What's it called again? I'm writing it down. <laughs> Send me something on it. This is great. I'm telling everyone at work. She didn't even know what it was called, but she has been doing <laughs> she it. Has. The women who choose not to do that emotional labor, they they I mean, 
people think they are like wenches, complete wenches. Like, how dare you not do this emotional labor? And I'm like, excuse me? You want them to do all this work that only benefits you, and then when they don't do it, you raise a fit and be like, how dare they not do that? Again, the luxury that I have of being a man, I just don't do this emotional labor. And is and I have been accused of like being mm-hmm. emotionally, which this is what I'm saying, right? A lot of men are not emotionally intelligent. And if you are the man who is emotionally intelligent, mm-hmm. and you just choose not to do emotional labor because you realize there is no payout mm. that other people think mm. you are the man who is emotionally unintelligent. And I'm like, first yeah. of all, how dare you? Second of all, that work that you want me to do, there's no payout for me there. The only thing that's going to happen is I'm going to be exhausted mm-hmm. and drained. It pays me nothing. So I'm not yeah. going to do it. And then, of course, you are that cold, calculating, standoffish. Yeah, okay, fine. I'll take that title. And I can run with it because what are you going to do? Nothing. So that's that on that. Yeah, it's a it's a very it's a really tricky thing. Like it hurts men. It, it, we need to stop this nonsense. Yeah. And then toxic masculinity, just like taking it to its end can can get literally violent, scary, abusive. Like I've been lucky not to experience too much of this, but I've definitely had times when I felt physically unsafe around men. Like I've had people like men get sort of aggressively handsy with me in bars. I've been followed a few times. But like the possibility of men getting violent is like very present. You know, just because of this toxic masculinity culture. You know what's sad about that? Every single woman in the world has this same story. It's not the case where we say, oh, 20 women experience this and every single woman, every single woman has experiences. Mm-hmm. It's a fucking problem. It is a big problem. And like the the problem to me is simple. Don't be aggressive towards women. Yeah, you would think. It's it's a simple thing. <laughs> it's it's really just simple. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. But it's and that's that's it's what, almost like what do you say to them about it cuz it's like how is this not obvious? Just don't. Just don't, especially when don't they repeatedly aggressive. say and the other thing is, I, which is also why I hate the thing when parenting, when boys do some aggressive shit, like, oh, he pushed her because he liked her, or, you know, boys will be boys. Mm. No. Yep. No, that is exactly the perfect time to teach yep. them this is unacceptable. And I think there is, and there yeah. is some truth to saying he pushed her because he liked her, but do you stop to consider the fact that the reason why he's pushing her is because you haven't equipped him with the proper emotional intelligence to actually say what he's feeling. And the boys who have that emotional intelligence to say what they're feeling, despite the situation they're growing up with, you then call those boys pansies. This is why, like, if I were a teacher or, like, if I ever have kids, I will be that hippie parent who is out here just fighting. (laughs) That will be me. Because... I will probably my kids will end up with some kind of trauma, but I will be yeah. damned if my kids end up with this toxic masculinity trauma. I will be damned. Yeah. <laughs> They'll get brand new trauma. I know. <laughs> it's going to be one we've never seen before, but it won't be this. I'll tell you that much. I will do everything I can to make sure it's not this. Because it's a terrible, it's a terrible thing. Yeah. It's, as soon as they have that trauma, yeah. the amount of time it's going to take them to undo that and the amount of work they're going to have to do, it's going to cripple them from doing anything else. 
They're going to have to spend the rest of their life trying to dig themselves yeah. out of this hole. It's not worth it. Like, imagine having a child who has, who, yeah. once they get to adult performing years, they're emotionally intelligent, they are self-sufficient, they have a knowledge about how the world works, and they are well-adjusted, they know how to handle people and set boundaries in terms of interactions. And the sky's the limit. They don't have to, they don't start out from, like, negative 100. They don't have to work themselves up to that. They're already yeah. there. They could take off and do so much better in life. When I see kids who are yeah. well-adjusted these days, I'm like, you're going to go so much further. So much further. You don't have to dig yeah. yourself out of a hole. You can just take off. It's wonderful. Yeah, back to the whole thing where it's really unsafe. I think this is the root of a lot of domestic assault and hate crimes, to be honest, in terms mm -hmm. of like trans women. When, when a man yeah. feels his masculinity is threatened, the first thing he does is just a resort to aggression. Yeah. Why is that? the Like, I understand that the reason why is because they don't have the emotional intelligence to express their emotions in ways that make sense. But aggression should be the last thing you resort to. Not to dismiss how much it hurts other people, but I do, I truly do feel bad for men who are so entrenched in this intoxic masculinity, because I mean, we've, we've said so many examples through this episode. It's, it prevents them from like living happy, fulfilling lives in so many ways. It, they, it's shooting themselves in the foot. Like, and, and, uh, men, I mean, this is part of it. Men are more likely to die of suicide than women because like seeking out help is just not something they're equipped to do right. um and like couple that with that violence and aggression and it therapy for everybody honestly therapy yes. for every <laughs> single person because <laughs> even, even if you feel like you don't need it go get it because i'm sure there's something you haven't unpacked that you're not even aware you haven't unpacked mm -hmm. like go get it um yeah yeah and like you just said we think it's weak to seek yeah. help and we don't even want to learn to start processing them. It's it's a really sad thing, but it is important. Like we've said, it's it's if any man is listening to this podcast or not man, if you are even a woman and you are prone to some toxic masculinity, please check your bias. Every single decision you make, understand it. If you have, especially if you have kids, if you have kids and you're starting to shop for toys and stuff yes. understand that you can start instilling some really toxic behavior in your kids if you don't do this right so please fix your shit and on that note we can end this fucking episode but also if you are a toxic masculine man you need to fix your shit do not catcall women. You are not entitled to their bodies. Do not do some nonsense at bars that think you're superior to others. And if you are a gay person and you are... You... I hold you even more responsible because you should know better. You grew up being subjected to this nonsense and you should do better. Remember last week on Twitter when you advertised us as a lighthearted fun podcast? <laughs> I think this might be the second um, episode we did where we went really heavy with it. Because we did the um, the racism thing with Mia Pantetto, and now we're doing toxic masculinity. But no, we are a fun, lighthearted podcast. But every once in a while, we got to break flock yeah. and let you know what's what. <laughs> Remind you, we have the range. We have the range. <laughs> so that concludes our episode about toxic masculinity. Thanks for joining us. As always, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Big Empty Purse. Tweet us, message us. 
tell us what you'd like to hear us talk about in the future. On next week's episode, we'll be discussing... It's actually to be determined. Tune in next week and we'll definitely let you know. Until next time, peace.